Hey, welcome to Multiply Your Money, and uh, this is episode number 102. And I'm fascinated by uh, human achievement, the psychology of achievement, if you like. Um, I'm fascinated by peak performance and um, how and why people get the results they get. And I'm also interested in why really, really smart people do dumb stuff. Right? Um, you know, if uh, if you were on a boat and you fell overboard and someone threw you out a lifeline, right? So someone threw you out a, 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 a one of those floating rings that you grab hold of and keep you buoyant. And they said, just grab onto the ring. And you refuse to do it. Um, and you refuse to, to grab a lifeline. <laughs> um, the question is why? Why would you do that? Why would you not grab the lifeline? Why would you not do what was sensible? Right? And so when I was studying... Uh, when I did my industrial organisational psych degree, I was really fascinated by um, uh, abnormal psychology because basically the argument is whatever whatever's working with working with people with with high dysfunction um, must work elegantly with people who have low dysfunctions or you know there is no there is there is no one with no dysfunctions we're all we're all dysfunctional okay I hate to tell you that but. <laughs> <laughs> we're all dysfunctional, right? But um, but I was fascinated by that. That's why I studied abnormal psychology, right? I'll give you an example, right? I'm in I'm in um, in London the other day, and a lot of a lot of uh, companies have actually banned cigarette smoking inside the building, which I think is a good thing because uh, cigarette smoke has a habit of um, getting up into air conditioning vents and lingering around, you know, the pipes, etc., etc. I once went to a hotel in Washington. I stayed in Washington at a hotel, and when you turn on the air conditioning, I was in a no smoking room. But because it was air conditioning, all I could smell was smell was cigarette smoke from the smoking rooms, right? But anyway, I'm in London, and I'm standing out. The walking past a really famous bank, and off to the side of the bank is an alleyway, and it's just packed with workers, clearly on a morning morning break, okay, and they're all standing out there in the cold, chain smoking cigarettes, and I'm close enough to see one guy who's opening up a packet, and emblazoned on the front of that cigarette packet. In other words, smoking kills in big capital letters, and the image of somebody's um, uh, throat, uh, ulcers, mouth ulcers, and cancers, you know, on the front and the back of the packet, right? And yet, here these people are, they're still cigarette smoking. Now, the problem with cigarette smoking is you say, oh, it's a willpower thing, you know, I've got to, I can't give up. Uh, it's a willpower thing. In actual fact, the problem with cigarette smoking is the actual nicotine, um, and nicotine has a half-life of easily 12 to 18 months. So that means that if you were a smoker, 
and you stop smoking on January the 1st, and I took a toxicology test or a blood test, right, and I'd see nicotine in your system, right, on January the 1st. If I then did the test on January the 1st, a year later, there would still be traces of nicotine in your blood, in your blood system, in your bloodstream. Um, uh, marijuana is even more insidious, right? But, but nicotine has this half-life. So basically what's happening is the nicotine's doing a lap of honour throughout your body. It's, it's going round through all the blood systems and that. It, you know, a good 12 months later, it's still doing a lap of honour through your body, which is why it's hard to get rid of because uh, uh, you'll be okay for a moment then suddenly there's uh, maybe a congestion of nicotine in your bloodstream that gives you a, a, the urge to smoke. You know, you, the craving to suddenly start smoking. So not only am I seeing all these people outside who are just, you know, totally ignoring, uh, you know, the research is in. Smoking does kill you. <laughs> smoking is not good for you. We know that, right? Cigarette companies love that. Tobacco companies just love the fact you can't control yourself, right? And I started to see this also in other things, like people who... Um, you know, I work with a lot of executives, a lot of corporate clients, and people who say, look, I, you know, my New Year's resolution is to go to the gym on a regular basis, and then they quit. Um, or as recent as yesterday, uh, I have a CEO that I'm working with who just cannot stop quarrelling with staff. You know, he's, he, uh, he, uh, he knows that he should let people get on with stuff, but he just can't resist the urge to interfere which usually ends up in an argument and he makes these resolutions you know I won't do that I'll bite my tongue you know I'll, I'll calm down I'll leave the room but he doesn't right and what I found is one of the easiest places to see this dynamic in two areas basically uh, two two really key areas for me one of them I studied was weight management you know, how we control our weight. Um, and um, and secondly, around how we how we control our, our... How we manage our weight. Sorry, not control our weight. How we manage our weight. And with money, how we manage our money. And um, on the next episode, I'm going to talk more about self-control. I'm going to talk about the ability to control impulses and delay gratification. And uh, if you haven't heard about it, I'm going to talk a little bit about the marshmallow test and what that means to you personally. So I'll see you in the next episode.